And again, our New Testament lesson comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. I invite you to listen to the word of our Lord. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were enticed and, and led astray to idols that could not speak. Therefore, what you, therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, let Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but in the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit of common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. And to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of the healing by one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the discernment of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are activated by one and the same Spirit. Through lots to each one individually just as the Spirit chooses. Friends, this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. No matter what church I've ever attended throughout my life, uh, no matter the city, the geographic location, or the denomination, they all have one thing in common. Churches love a sign-up sheet. Really, there's a sign-up sheet for everything in almost every church. There's a sign-up sheet for ushers, a sign-up sheet for assisting in a nursery, flowers in the sanctuary, chaperone the next youth lock-in. Pollocks have sign-up sheets, and Pollocks even has sign-up sheets within the sign-up sheets. We, the church, can create a sign-up sheet for just about anything. But there's a growing problem that started way beyond 22 months ago. These sign-up sheets within churches across America are growing more and more bare, causing all types of speculations. Speculations like, young people just don't care about our church, not like the older generation does. Everyone is so overscheduled, they forget what it takes to run a church. We have a crisis of commitment, we have a crisis of volunteers, we just have a plain crisis, we say. Elizabeth Lynn and Mark Ramsey, in a recent blog post that's written for churches and church boards, ask if, if it would help to know that we churches are not alone in this sign-up sheet crisis. Rotary membership has declined from 418,000 members in 1985 to less than 300,000 a day, and 10% of all their members are under 40. Uh, Masons have lost 3 million members since the 1950s. Junior League, well, they are trying to stabilize this membership with loss of more than 30% since 2000, leading to each of their sign-up sheets to also look pretty bare. But the trend goes even wider. Just do a quick Google search. 
and it will yield news of sign-up crisis all over and all types of volunteering opportunities, including homeowner associations, PTAs, and even the American Orchestra subscriptions, which led then to the New York Times article a few months ago, The Art of Wooing Commitment Foes. Is this what's going on in 1 Corinthians? Is Paul trying to woo over members of the church of Corinth to sign up with various lists suggesting that they all have gifts to offer. So often, whether we realize it or not, this is what we do with this passage. Oh, you are a school teacher? You should use your gifts in the nursery. Oh, you work at a bank? Oh, would you mind sharing your gifts on our stewardship team? Oh, you used to cut grass when you were 15 years ago? I know it's been 20 years ago, but um, I bet you could use your gifts to share on the property team. Uh, But I don't think that's Paul's attention in writing this chapter to the church of Corinth even had anything to do with sign-up sheets at all. Not that sign-up sheets are not important. They are. We need volunteers in the nursery and to, to work on budgets and all kinds of things within the church However, when the sign-up sheet becomes our focus, instead of the life-giving message of the gospel, silos slowly begin to form instead of unity that Paul calls calls us to embrace. Paul, he spends the entire letter uh, to the current, current focused on Christian community chastising, pleading, encouraging the Corinth church to to make their broken community whole. The Corinth Christians are, are, are abusing their freedom, refusing to share, scorning their neighbors' different spiritual gifts, boasting about their own gifts, and wanting to make their experience a normative for everyone. Well, other than that, they're really just a dream of a church. I mean, this 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, was written as an urgent, full-throated attempt to bring the community of Christians of Corinth back into relationship with God and with one another. And to do so, Paul is not suggesting that we focus on how we do church. Instead, Paul shifts to focus on why we are a church. Moving the focus from our gift to our beliefs. Confessing every person who confessed Jesus as Lord was gifted by the Holy Spirit. That all those spiritual gifts are to be used for the good of the whole community. And all gifts are equally activated by the grace of God. This slight shift of moving our focus from how to why also realigns our commitment from individual gift tasks, gifts and tasks to our commitment to God. For God is the initiator because God is always the initiator. Suggesting instead of leading with our gifts, like, oh, you're a teacher? You should use your gifts in the nursery. Suggesting instead of doing that, we begin in prayer, and reading scripture. Like as Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. And he said to them, 
follow me and I will make you fish for people. Do you hear the difference? One focuses on the individual, the other on God. With that slight shift, we move from committing to a task to committing to Christ. And if we follow Christ, Jesus will always lead us to a community. And beneath this community is something that confronts and contradicts and challenges the whole cultural popular notion that religion is essentially a private spirituality. That Christian discipleship is like walking in the garden alone with Jesus. Sure, our faith is personal. It, 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 leaves, it lives, lives, deep, lives deeply in our souls. But it's also embodied in the beloved community into which Jesus leads us into. For our gifts are revealed. And the Holy Spirit reminds us these gifts come from God. And so my gifts are yours. And your gifts are mine. This is the radical incarnate love of God and the human life of Jesus. Jesus reminds us that our creator made us to live in relationship. We share gifts with one another. No matter the season that we find ourselves in. With the recent death of Sidney Poirier, I am reminded in the Scene in the play turned movie, uh, Raisin in the Sun, where he plays Walter, a young man who comes home to see his family after he's lost all his money that would have given them the future, destroying the hopes of the entire family. His sister calls him every despicable name imaginable. After she curses out her brother, the mother speaks up and she says, I thought I told you to forgive him. Forgive him? There's nothing left to forgive. There's always something left to love, says the mother. And if you haven't learned that, you haven't learned anything. When do you think it's time to love and forgive somebody? When they've done good? When they've made you proud? The time to love somebody is when they are at their lowest because the world done whipped them so. A world of individualism tells us that our gifts are for us only. We are told that we have to sort out who we should love and who is worthy of love, when and where, based off our individual gifts. Paul's picture of unity guided by the life of Jesus Christ isn't about the individual paths. But neither is it about this bland tolerance. Paul says unity is about a shared direction, about shared wisdom, about shared pain. To live in a community, a church community guided by God it's probably a lot more difficult than everyone just sort of going their separate ways, being on some guided path with their gifts. 
To be guided by Christ requires patience. It requires time. It requires us to listen and to give and to receive. All activated, as Paul says, to the church of Corinth and to the church today by one and the same spirit. Will Campbell, who worked closely with Martin Luther King Jr. during the Civil Rights Movement, loved to tell a story about a conversation he had with a high-wire artist in a traveling circus inquiring why he did what he did. The man's answer included all the expected romantic answers. I love the circus life. I love the laughter, the applause of the crowd. I love the thrill of the hurling through the space. Then he got real quiet. He looked down and said something unexpected. You really want to know why I go up to that darn thing night after night? To tell you the truth, I would have quit a long time ago, but my sister's up there. And my wife and my father, they're both up there too. My sister has more trouble than Job. My wife is a devil-may-care nut, and my old man, well, he's getting older. If I was not up there, then on some bad night, man, splash, it'd be all over. Then why are you up there? Campbell asked the man. Excuse me, why are they up there? Campbell asked the man. And the man looked like he really did not want to answer. But as he walked away, he turned and looked at Campbell and said, because I drink too much. What if? And it might be as scary as walking on a high wire, I, I know that. But what if, what if we started the year 2022 not leading with sign-up sheets? And, and I know, I know, it's going to get unorganized at the time. And yes, candles will be, forget to be unlit and the money forgot to be counted. But what if we instead committed to leading with being there for each other? In whatever way, in however way that God leads us to do that. Me sharing my gifts given by the Holy Spirit with you and you sharing your gifts with me. Not trusting my gifts or trusting your gifts, not even trusting the church, but trusting God who brings all of us together with all sorts of likes and dislikes and similarities and differences with all of our history and our traditions and new ideas and with all the noise and the silence and yes, with all of our gifts. Shaping us and molding us and changing us into the loving body of Christ. A loving, peace-seeking, justice-getting, forgiving body of Christ. Compelling us then to share the love, the peace, the hope, and the joy that we find in this community wherever we go. And in doing so, serving God's attention as God uses my gifts and your gifts and 
our gifts to change the world. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.